When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 482 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and the second part of today's show is all about a man in Barcelona's history that most won't be familiar with. That's Josep Boter, the lead scout at the club from the mid-20s to the early 70s. That's a huge portion of the club's history, and that's why I wanted to talk about him today. But in doing that video, I felt like some of those lessons still apply today, so that is the special podcast version, solo, just with me, that I'm going to do before I get to the Josep Boter story. Because there were times in those periods when Barca's finances weren't the best, to say the least, but the club heavily relied on Boter's eye for talent, and many presidents trusted that he knew what he was talking about. So as Diego said earlier on the show this week, there does seem to be a good balance right now between Laporta signing off on the transfer choices that Xavi, Alemani, and Deco are coming together to make, even if they don't all agree every time. And if other reports are to be believed, there are some on the board against the Oro Romeu signing, but it does sound like since Xavi, Alemani, and Deco are agreeing on it, they, that being those board members, just have to get over it. That's a great thing for the club. That obviously you know hasn't existed with every manager, that kind of trust and synergy. Bartomeu and Valverde, I think, being the most recent and the most glaring example. So that's a positive. The other positive is that players still want to come to Barcelona and play for Barcelona. The draw and pull of Barca and Real Madrid, you just you can't make it up with anybody else around world football, including the likes of a PSG. 
The Vita Roca story right now almost, I mean, seems like it almost took a turn about something with Atletico Paranaense giving an ultimatum to Barcelona, but it seems like that story was actually kind of hogwash, even though that ultimatum story really did have some legs. Then today there was a story going around in the other direction, saying that the player had rejected offers which wanted to triple his salary, and he wants to just continue to say, I'm only going to Barcelona. So that means PSG, Manchester United, and Chelsea apparently offered him $10 million a year in gross salary in that first year, while Barca is offering close to $3.5 million per gross year. And if you've heard me talk about the numbers before, 3.5 is around Eric Garcia numbers, and that does seem impossibly low. So I do take that with a grain of salt, because I think even if the player were technically to arrive in January, even if the signing is done now, so they have to agree to it now, I mean, they still have work to do to register. So I don't think Barca at any point so far is really offering a number so low. I think they're planning on offering a number higher. So I would say closer to maybe what Pedri and Gabi started out. Well, Gabi started obviously much, much lower, but to even his renewal deal, as opposed to Pedri, who signed on around, what was it, 4.5, and then it raised in the second year to 6.5 mil per year. So that is what I would easily say that Vito Roca might be signing for. That being, I would expect if he arrives in January, Barcelona need to register 6.5 mil on the books in that first year. And obviously they're going to be paying this in installments as well. So with that amortization, it'll all be spread out a bit. But I'm just saying for base salary, I would guess it'd be around 6.5, not 3.5. So that's why I think that that latest rumor about him rejecting those other clubs of 10 million is a bit of, is a big of hogwash, as I said as well. And I'm still saying that the deal may be agreed upon now, that he doesn't come until January because I don't see how they possibly register him before then without some major exodus of players that we're not even considering. I'm not saying Frankie de Young, but I am saying Ferran Torres and Atsufati, who I, I just feel like aren't being considered to be to be thrown out anymore. And by thrown out, I mean like the players choosing to throw themselves out. So Barca has no choice to sell them. If they don't want to leave, they're not going. We've gone over that again. Next thing, the reason why I called this show obstacles in recruiting is because, yes, Barcelona lost out on Arda Guler to Real Madrid, the, the Turkish midfielder, but I don't have a response to that, honestly, one way or the other. The negative is that, one, he could really be a player for them, and that's the case with every player that Real Madrid signs. And two, it does remind you that Real Madrid can offer more money and can promise registration in a way that Barca just can't do right now. So any bidding war between the two could flip for Madrid the second they actually decide they want the player. And it's a weird thing, too, with the Arda Goler stuff, because it seemed like initially he said, hey, I'm actually a fan of Real Madrid, which we know doesn't truly matter. But then the whole middle section of that story was all about how Barca were the ones who were in the driver's seat, Barca were looking at him, Barca were scouting him, yada, yada, yada. And it does seem like Madrid came from the top rope and said, hey, thanks for doing our scout for us. Barca, thanks for wanting to go all out for this player. That actually gives us trust in him. But truthfully, Real Madrid were scouting him the same way that all the other major clubs were, and it does seem like he wanted to come to Real Madrid. And as I said, the minute they decided that they were going to go in for the player, I don't even think they were competing with Barcelona because the numbers that Real Madrid were able to offer, if they reportedly were close to paying him $50 million before his wages, which could be, I would assume, for Real Madrid, I think it'll actually be fair. So somewhere between 6 and 9 for him, I would say, likely say. If those 50 million also includes before those wages, as I said, a huge commission on the player's father, that means that Barca were not only out of this race, but they were in theory never in this race. Because as good as Arda would be, Barca isn't in a position to do that. And they actually honestly may have dodged a bullet down the line with a 
father's commission if it was truly that high. Now, I don't know where necessarily that report came from. I don't think it came from any Madrid-based stuff. It, I, and, but I don't also know the power that uh, Catalan journalists or the Catalan media would have had to push that and have it become believable. Uh, it seemed like it was more impartial or we'll say unbiased journalists. And now everybody, every journalist has a bias, obviously, today. But it seemed like somebody who's a bit more impartial w- was throwing it out there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol or Piquet and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. And even as far as playing time, I, I never really saw where it would come for him if he didn't immediately impress Xavi and it would mean that other players were basically going to be put on the bench and other clubs were going to, I mean, other players are going to be pushed out because I've talked extensively about the drop-off without Pedri. 
So obviously, Arda Goulet was very exciting. I, I watched as much of him as I could. I Unfortunately, I've wasted my time watching two Fenerbahce matches now because of him. But in theory, Gunningen should always be able to handle his absences, that being Pedri's, at this point. And you add another year of Gabi to that and the assumption that you can't possibly get less out of the left, left wing. You have to get something out of the left wing that you didn't last year. And I think the minutes all make sense. You can see how, as I said, losing Busquets, that's where those huge minutes are going to be necessary. So how much of those does a double pivot with Gunnigan and, and DeYoung eat up? If you need Kessie to be out, yeah, where are you going to get some other minutes from at that position? Is it going to be Oral Romeu playing 3,000 minutes this year or 2,800 minutes? Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that. But I will say farther up the field, even any minutes that Pablo Torre got last year, I think those immediately should go this year to Alex Garrido or Lamine Yamal. And that's that. Don't think too hard about it. I mean, even Ana Alakan could potentially get those in theory minutes if you say that those Pablo Torre minutes are for a winger as opposed to a midfielder. And even in the midfield, Garrido is that answer there. So aside from his profile as a 10, that being Arda Galer, in which it's well documented that Odegaard, Renier, James Rodriguez, none could dislodge Modric and find their footing. And Arda may suffer the same fate. Modric is still floating around there this season. They will need to run for him, that being Arda Galer. I, I think he is pretty astute in understanding, very much like Pedri, where he needs to be retaining the ball and helping Real Madrid you know, have some defensive solidity, especially when they have the ball. That rest defense is so important for a player with such high retention skills. But when they don't have the ball, and if Real Madrid continue to choose not to have the ball and try to counterattack the way they do, they will need to run for him and protect him. And the big question is whether or not Carlo Ancelotti thinks that highly of his new toy. Fede Valverde plays a lot on that right wing for a reason. So we'll see defensively what Arda Goler is made of and how he fits into that system. And I would say that for him to play there is honestly much more of a risk. Instead of just fitting in as a sub for Pedri for Barcelona... He's going there almost as a fish out of water, so we'll see how it works out. I think he's talented enough where it might work out. We've also seen, again, Odegaard. We know that guy is a complete baller and has been since he was 15, and, well, it didn't necessarily work out at Real Madrid for him. So, I don't know. Best of luck to Arda Goulart. But back to the point about the bidding wars, you know, the bigger idea here. Even Fresneda, the the right back for Real Valladolid, he's interesting because he's a former La Fabrica kid. He left Real Madrid for Leganes in 2018, then eventually did break through at Real Valladolid. He's still just 18, so to say he just broke through for Real Valladolid. He also left La Fabrica, that being Real Madrid's academy, at what, like 14 or 15? So it, it's like, was he really, you know, that much a part of it when he spent most of his now youth career and life with Real, with Real Valladolid? I mean, his playing life. But he is still one of the better right-back prospects in world football, just based on his first season with La Liga, with Valladolid, who were relegated. So that does make the numbers a bit easier, we'll say, for Barcelona to have the inside track on him. So if Barca does have the inside track to get him at a, a really reasonable number, I, I think this is possible. I think we can believe in this stuff. But if Madrid come calling, once again, like it's a wrap because of what Madrid are able to offer, including registration, which is the most important thing to say, hey... We're going to bring you in for this number. Here are the commissions. Here's the big money. And you get to play. I mean, we're going to promise you can play in a way that Barcelona just cannot do. Because I think the positive aspect of this, too, is that with or without Fresneda, but we'll say with, even missing out on Goulart, if you told me that Barca summer consisted of selling Lingley, Kessie, and Dest, and then they brought in Gunnigan, Inigo Martinez, Orlo Romeu, Fresneda, and Vitoroca for January... I would not have believed you that that was humanly possible for all of that to happen. 
Because at that point, you couldn't ask for a better window to bring in those five players and really only having to shuttle off Langley, Kessie, and Dest with, again, the idea and the notion that Busquets' salary and Alba's salary coming off the books, including technically the sale of Antoine Griezmann as well, is enough to all have all that happen. Yeah, I would say you couldn't ask for a better window. And I would also warn you that Nico Gonzalez, Abde, and Chadi Riyad are probably going to be sold too. If all five of those players are coming in, like there's no way they can register everybody and keep everybody, but we'll have to see how that plays out. As for the preseason, because, again, Oro Fermeu, Fresneda, Vinoroca, I would not expect to see them at any point. Inigo Martinez is official. I want to dive in a little bit deeper on him in the coming weeks, but we will get to that. But as for the preseason, which starts on Monday, there are a ton of names that will be trying to make the trip with the first team. It's been reported that a healthy Anjo Alacan, Marc Casado, Unai Hernandez, Fernin Lopez, Estanis Pedrola, Riyad, Lamine Yamal, Pau Prim, Marc G., and Mikhail Faye, the new, the new center back signing, and goalkeeper Diego Cochin from the U.S. were all called up for preseason trading. Goalkeeper Ander Astralaga, as well as Alex Garrido, Alex Valle, and Danny Rodriguez are all with the Spain U19s for the Euros, so that's why you weren't seeing Garrido's name in this list. Still, I love Xavi's choices for his preseason picks. There are no left backs or right backs because there are no academy players ready at those positions. So Xavi is going with the players that could contribute with some minutes as soon as this season, and the players that I think have the highest potential to potentially help the first team in the next two to four seasons. So aside from the newly signed Faye, who I think it was part of his, likely it was part of his signing on that he would at least do preseason with the first team before going back to Barca Athletic, and then the on loan last season for Mean Lopez, who, believe it or not, went on loan and proved it. He went and proved it that he could play at, we'll say, a some kind of first-team level. He was always very diminutive, and to the point where he was so much shorter than everybody else that you were worried about how he would potentially fit in as a future player, but it seemed like the year was really good for him. He's 20 years old right now. He just turned 20, and having just been on loan for the whole year at Linares, which is, again, not a huge club, sometimes those loans do work out, even in the, the second and third divisions. So it worked out for him. Seems like a, a better version of the player that, that left, and just physically, even at 20, has more come into his own. Uh, but other than those two, the rest have all made their debuts for the first team, if you count the Vissel Kobe friendly, as of last year and the year before. None are new names, which I think is a, is a good thing, that Xavi has incorporated all of the names, as I said, other than... Fermin Lopez and Faye into the first team training before multiple occasions. So if I had to guess the four that I think stick around for that preseason tour, I'm going with Alacan, Casado, Pedrola, and Lamini Mall. I think those are the ones that Xavi has kind of said in the past before. Have you incorporated that being Alacan, who it looks like he's going to be healthy for the preseason, which is pretty big. I thought he was going to miss part of it. And then Casado, who again is the captain for Barca Athletic, is either, I mean, he's at a point where he's either on the cusp of making a contribution to the first team or spending one year, one more year as the captain of Barca Athletic and then and likely leaving after that. And then Pedrola is a name that Xavi just keeps bringing up. Every time he's asked about the academy prospects, he brings up the winger in Pedrola that he does see something in. And then obviously Lamini Mall, everybody knows about him and every and Xavi including. We all know what his potentials, we all know about that. So we will have to see who Xavi takes with him on the preseason tour after seeing him for a bit in preseason. I mean, if it really is Tabula Rasa, if it really is a clean slate from the start of the preseason, hey, could even see a Pau Prinum or something if they look at Oro Romeu long enough and Girona, you know, if it all doesn't work out for less than 8 mil, I can't see the 
anybody signing off on Oro Romeo at his age and in his standing for eight mil. I think Xavi might just say, all right, let's go with what we have. And hey, pal, Prim, maybe it's, maybe it's your time, but who knows? So Scotty Academy players, as we know today, is a whole department to bring them into the club. Uh, now Hernandez came coming over from CF Dom. Even him, I believe, was probably looked at by two or three different people in the stands, which, which just is a stark contrast from back in the day when it was usually just one guy with a little bit of help. And that guy for a long time at Barcelona was Josep Boter. So here it is, all about Josep Boter. This is it for me as well. So I'll talk to you next week and enjoy this little section here about Barcelona's greatest scout. A man by many names, Il Comandatore, Monsignor Botoroff, Er Boter, all these nicknames belong to the same man that has been largely forgotten, but has been more important to youth football at FC Barcelona in a way that predates all the rest. La Masia was started in 1979 by then-president Josep Luis Nunez, with desire coming from two older and trusted figures at the club, Juan Amat and Ordel Tort. And those two, along with Loriano Ruiz and of course Johan Cruyff, are credited with being the central characters in the story of La Masia. But before the fabled farmhouse, there was still youth football at FC Barcelona that dates all the way back to 1901. And one man laid the path for all others to follow. Today, we're talking about Josep Boter Mas, the man that may have been Barcelona's greatest ever scout, and the one that, before La Masia, laid the path for it all to follow. Before things get too confusing, let's make a few terms pretty clear. La Masia, or its full name, La Masia de Canplanas, everybody knows it's the farmhouse. That's what it translates to, but for our purposes and understanding of timeline, it is literally the farmhouse which began to house youngsters from outside the city who were taking part in the youth academy. Over time, La Masia and Barcelona's youth academy, called the Cantera, became synonymous with one another, and the building itself has had different uses through Barcelona's history. In fact, from 1961 to 1963, President Enric Laudit, being inspired by the success of Lazo Kubala, who did go on to become youth director for a time before becoming first team manager, attempted to put more resources in youth development and the academy. Unfortunately, due to financial issues, this project only lasted two years and was lost to time. So with the farmhouse dormant, 1966 saw it converted into the club's social headquarters, before it was converted again in 1979 into the dormitory that gave it worldwide prestige. In 2011, the actual farmhouse closed its doors again and was replaced by the much more modern Ciudad Esportiva Juan Gamper, by obviously this time the entire academy was known and sent to a global audience as La Masia. A junior football system was founded at the club all the way back in 1901 by Juan Gamper's friend, and the club's first secretary, Luis Dioso. While I have a Patreon today, which if you want to see more videos like this, make sure you help me out down in the description below, Dioso became the club's first patron due to his economic investments in the club. Dioso, one of the Spanish directors of the club, wanted an opportunity for young Spanish players to get a chance too. So while playing for the first team, he created the junior football system, and soon after, a third and a fourth team came to be. So yes, long before there was La Masia, Youth football has been around at FC Barcelona about as long as FC Barcelona has been around. But let's get back to the man we're talking about today in Josep Botermas. He was brought into the club in 1925, having worked with the Catalan Football Federation since he was about 16 years old. And as a man, he was a figure that few could miss. He began working as a scout with Barca's youth teams, but unlike scouts today that seem to want to blend in with the seats, he was hard to miss. He was always in a suit and a tie in an era where everybody wore a suit and tie. So that should tell you about his reputation and he always wore a hat in the winter, but you could really tell it was him by a big bushy mustache. He took over the junior system in 1934 from President Juan Coma, who would soon resign after three trophyless seasons. 
One of the first names that he recommended when he came into the job in 1925 was Ramon Lorenz, a local talent and exceptional goalkeeper. Lorenz and some others were enough for the club to trust him as an official scout for the club, as they trusted him to bring in some players who literally were playing on the street. Josep Escola and Josep Reich were his first two official signings, with Escola becoming one of the top 10 goal scorers in the club's history to this day, with Josep Reich in the midfield delivering quite a few of those balls into Escola. By the time the Spanish Civil War broke out, and then afterwards, when Barcelona was on a budget, Josep Botamas's eye for talent and cheap talent at that became even more essential. There are names that I've mentioned before, a lot of the ones that we don't talk about because they played for Barcelona when it wasn't their glory years, playing between the 30s and the 70s. But he scouted and signed so many from that time. Frances Calvet, Juan Segarra, Estanislao Basora, Edward Machon, Josep Seguer, Ferran Oliveira, Enrique Quinsana, Jusso Tejada, Elogio Martinez, Carlos Reixac, Andrea Bosch Puyol, and Josep Maria Fuste. Those are just some of the better players in their teams. Not to mention that so many on the bench in that time were scouted by Botero as well. Judging by some of those names, especially in the trying times of the 60s and the 70s, you can fully understand just how important Jose Botero Massa's eye for talent was, bridging that gap between the Kubala years and the Cruyff years in particular. His signings were the ones that kept the club afloat and kept putting fans in the seats in that really difficult era, especially financially. It did help that he knew what he was looking for, he also knew who to trust, and he knew how to treat his players. He had created networks in Mallorca and Girona and all throughout Spain. So those people that he would use as his network would do the first scout, and then he would travel each and every time to do the second scout himself. He looked for touch with both feet and good ball control, but he also looked for those intangibles, how a player dressed, their body language on the field, and whether or not they had that special spark. When they did, he would make sure they were taken care of. He would take the players out to eat, he would wait for trains with them, and he would take them to fancy restaurants when they couldn't get home for the holidays. Because before there was La Masia, there was the Pencha Patata, the potato place, which was a boarding house that housed between 40 to 50 of those youngsters. It was named for that because of the fried potatoes that were seemingly served with every meal. But it wasn't just that place. There was a number of private boarding houses around the city of Barcelona that Jose Botermas would make sure those youngsters were taken care of at. Those players who he helped remember him fondly. And it's those players that went from a scouting report to an FC Barcelona shirt to a suit up in the stands with him where his legacy lives on. Lorenz, who you remember was the first player he ever scouted, became his right-hand man for close to 40 years. And it wasn't just Lorenz. Josep Escola, Josep Sametier, Paco Rodri, and Javier Comenge all went from knowing Boter from the stands to sitting up there with him. And remember Ordel Tort, considered one of the greatest scouts in football history? He heavily relied on the experienced Boter. Tort's involvement in the creation of La Masia is a direct link back to Boter. And even Messi, who signed on a napkin with Carlos Reixac. Remember, who signed and scouted Carlos Reixac? The reason he isn't spoken about anymore is obviously because not only did he exist pre-video, but it seems like in modern times, La Masia is getting oversimplified to being Cruyff and Gorliola and not much else. But videos like this do help to make sure that he is not forgotten to time. But it's interesting that Poter might have actually wanted it this way. The farther along a player got in the first team, the farther it seemed like Poter moved away from their lives. He didn't look for the recognition of having signed this player or that player, and he did kind of fade into obscurity as his health problems started to build up. He retired from the club in 1973 due to poor health, and the club held a tribute match for him right after they signed Johan Cruyff. Did you want another thread, by the way? There's another one. And more than 80 players took part in the tribute match. These included Fuste, Antonio Ramayets, Elogio Martinez, Josep Seguer, and Kubala. Near the end of his life, he dealt with financial difficulties and died in a great deal of debt at the age of 72. And by the time of his death, 
he was already being forgotten. A one-minute moment of silence at a youth match was the final way he was honored. But fortunately, today we have the technology and curiosity to remember him again. So I do hope you enjoyed the story of Josep Boter Mas. And if you did, and again, if you want more videos like this, subscribe to the channel, give it a like. I always appreciate it. And as always, until next time, Forza Barca. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com